Welcome to another inspirational message from the chapel. We pray this message encourages and inspires you. If you would like any more information, check out our website, thechapelcollective.com.au. This year, our theme in Penrith is a king and a cause. A king and a cause. And we're really talking a lot about the greatest person we could ever love and the greatest purpose we could ever live. That's the king, and that's his cause. And Jesus taught us to pray this in Matthew 6, verse 9. After, or in this manner, therefore pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. On earth as it is in heaven, in our community, as it is in heaven, in our country, Lord, as it is in heaven, in our culture, and if you're a business owner, in our company, as it is in your kingdom, let it be so here and here and now. Jesus has already bridged the gap and opened the gates for heaven to come on earth. And what was the message that Jesus sent his disciples out into those villages, up and down those dusty roads of Galilee and Judea? What was the message he gave them to preach and to proclaim? This was the message in Matthew chapter 10 and verse 7. Go and preach. And here's your, here's your message. Here's your theme. Here's what you do. Go and preach the kingdom of heaven is near. That's what I want you to preach everywhere you go. In Luke, he says it this way, and say to them, the kingdom of God has come near to you. I love the way the message says it. Tell them God's kingdom is right on your doorstep, man. The king and his kingdom is right on the doorstep of your neighbor, this world, your friends, even maybe your own home. And I want to declare something to you this morning about this king. This king has a name. He has a name. This king and his kingdom that is right on your doorstep has a name that I want to proclaim this morning because it's the title of my talk And in Matthew chapter 12 and in verse 21, his name will be the hope of all the world. That is his name. This king and this kingdom come and your will be done on earth has a name. And his name is the hope, the hope of the world. And while the world flounders and flaps and flails in despair and in in all kinds of mess, the hope of the world is right on the doorstep. And we live in this culture that is so confused and it is so crazy. It's canceling itself. It's so crazy. And in the midst of all of this craziness and confusion, the kingdom of heaven, the kingdom of heaven is right on the doorstep, and this king of the world who is called the hope, the hope of all the world. 
My title today is A Kingdom of Hope. I'm still very close to Pastor Tom Messer. He's the pastor, the only pastor I've had since I got out of the army in 1976. He's the only pastor I've had since then. And he sent us to Australia in 1987. And I'm in contact with him even this very morning. In contact, he knows I'm here, he's praying for us. He wanted to send his love to the baby dedication today and all the family. But I asked him the other day, I said, Pastor, I said, what is the Lord speaking to you? He has a real strong prophetic edge, and I've had the privilege of having that speak into my life for almost all my ministry life. And he said he was writing, he's 86 years old, and he shoots 84 on the golf course. Where's Rob? (laughs) Can you believe that? The other day he played nine holes, he shot 41. I hate him. I mean, I love him. Of course, I love him. But he also rides his bicycle. He's got an e-bike. Don, he's got a great e-bike. And uh, he said he was out the other day, and the Holy Spirit spoke to him pretty somber words. And the Holy Spirit spoke to him and said, there is a dearth in the earth of hope. There is a dearth in the earth of hope. And according to Merriam-Webster, The dictionary, dearth, means famine, or like a drought, or a scarcity. In short, supply is hope, is hope. People all around us are living without a sense of hope. And all you need to do is go online and kind of do a two-minute research, and you will not believe how Articles written right now are, are, are discouraging articles about how hopeless the world feels at this moment. And I found this article that was in the Atlantic, and this was last year. This was just last year. Uh, of course, a very secular magazine, the Atlantic Magazine, been published in America probably for 100 years or something. I don't know. But it, here's, I, I, I quote this article, April 11, 2022. The United States is experiencing an extreme teenage mental health crisis. From 2009 to, I bet, yeah, from 2009 to 2021, the share of American high school students who say they feel persistent feelings of sadness and hopelessness rose from 26% to 44%. Another article raised it as high as 51%. From one in four to over half of the teenagers in the United States say they feel persistent feelings of sadness and hopelessness. And according to this new CDC study, this is the highest level of teenage sadness ever recorded. There is a dearth in the earth for hope. Of course, we read about this in the book of Ecclesiastes. The preacher, you know, vanity of vanity, all is vanity, says the preacher. And we read this in chapter 9 and verse 3. It seems so wrong that everyone under the sun suffers the same fate Already twisted by evil, people choose their own mad course, for they have no hope. And then he goes on to say, and then you die. There is nothing ahead but death anyway. This is not new, but I don't know if it's ever been more prolific 
Billy Graham decades ago said that our world today so desperately hungers for hope, yet uncounted people have almost given up. There is despair and hopelessness on every hand. And, and if Billy Graham, if that was true when he said that decades ago, I wonder what Billy would say today. And the Apostle Paul reminds us that those of us today who are Christ followers, he reminds us and wants us even to remember that there was a time in our life when we knew what hopelessness was all about. Paul writes to the Ephesians, and he says in Ephesians chapter 2, in verse 12, at that time you were apart from Christ. You were foreigners and did not belong to God's chosen people. You had no part in the covenants which were based on God's promises to his people. And you lived in this world without hope and without God. Without hope and without God. You lived that way. He's telling the Ephesians, who were the pagans, he's telling them how they lived before they came to Christ. The New King James Version says it this way, having no hope and without God in the world. So there is the culture on earth and there is the kingdom of heaven. In one, there is a famine of hope and in the other, there is fullness of hope. And one is right on the doorstep of the other. And Paul says in Romans 15, in verse 13, he's talking about the fullness of hope in the kingdom of heaven. The flourishing hope that's in the kingdom of heaven. Where it's drops on the tongue in the kingdom of culture of the world. It's showers and streams and brooks in the kingdom of heaven. And Paul says it this way in Romans 15 and verse 13. I pray that God, the source of hope. I pray that God, the source of hope, will fill you completely with joy and peace. Joy and peace is the product that, that lives in my life when I am full of hope. When, I am, when you are full of hope, joy and peace are the byproduct of hope. Because you trust in him, because you trust in him, then you will, love this word, overflow with confident hope through the power of the Holy Spirit. Come on, somebody. I'm talking about flourishing, overwhelming, overcoming. Let's do a double backflip into the midst of it and just splash it all around hope. From a famishing dearth in the earth of hope to a flourishing, overflowing hope in the kingdom of heaven. And from that hope comes joy and peace by believing. The New King James Version says it like this. Now may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing that you may abound in hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. Hope abundant, hope abounding. This is a kingdom of hope. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Go tell everybody that the kingdom of heaven is on their doorstep. First Timothy 1 Timothy 1.1 Paul 
an apostle of Jesus Christ by the commandment of God our Savior and the Lord Jesus Christ our hope. He is our hope. We live in his kingdom with peace and joy and we overflow with hope. Peace and joy and we overflow with hope. Now here's what Jesus said about you and this culture. Here's what Jesus said about me and this world. He said this, you're not of it. You're not of it. He said, I have chosen you out of it. He said, Father, I'm not praying you take them out of it. I'm just praying you keep them safe in it. And then, you know, there's a lot of beholds in the Bible. Behold, behold, behold. The greatest words that ever follow behold, I think, are when Jesus says this behold. Behold, the kingdom of God is within you. What did he say? What did he say? The kingdom of God is within me. Jesus said, you're not of the world. Jesus said, the kingdom of God is within you. And then Paul says this in Romans 14 and verse 17. For the kingdom of God is not meat and drink, but it is righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. See, peace and joy, peace and joy. That's what happens when you're full of hope. Peace and joy. The New Living Translation says, For the kingdom of God is not a matter of what we eat or drink, but of living a life of goodness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. And while the culture of the world is unsettled and uncertain and unstable, we live with hope as an anchor for our soul. We read in the book of Hebrews, Chapter 6 and verse 19, it says, This hope is a strong and trustworthy anchor for our soul. A strong and trustworthy anchor. Hope is this strong and trustworthy anchor for our souls. And it leads us through the curtain into God's inner sanctuary. This week, I was reading through my daily devotion. And I'm reading through Tim Keller's book on Galatians. I'm, I re, I'm reading a chapter in the book of Galatians every day for the whole year. I think I'll read the book of Galatians about 96 times this year by the time it's all said and done. And of course, I love Tim Keller, who just passed away. But I just, I knew I was going to be here this weekend. I knew I had the privilege to speak. And I knew I was going to speak on this kingdom of hope. And I read this, just like randomly read Tim Keller giving the Bible definition of hope. And here's what he said. Sorry. I took a photo of it instead of taking the time to, if I would have typed it, I would have put it in great font. But instead I took a photo, now I've got to, I've got to pinch it. All right. Tim says this, the biblical word Elpida, translated hope, does not have the, does not have, um, Help me, Jack. No, help me, Jesus. Does not have, oh, it does not have the much weaker meaning that it has in English. He says it's a weak word in English. This word elpida in the Greek, which is a real strong word, is a weak word in English. He said in the Bible, hope does not mean hope so. Jesus, I hope so. I'm kind of leaning into it. I sure hope so. Like, what will the weather be tomorrow? Well, I hope it's good. In the Bible, 
Hope does not mean hope so, as in will it be a sunny day tomorrow. I hope so, but I have no way of being confident that it will be, but I am optimistic. No, it means a powerful assurance and certainty of something else. And that's why we read now faith is the substance of things hoped for like confident baby like you like you ain't making you ain't shaking this free from me this is a different word in greek than it is in english he says there is a major problem for the reader of the english bible the word that means total assurance in greek means not so sure in english so let's kind of take this word today from where it comes from the bible and let's not talk about hope h-o-p-e let's talk about elpida the greek word sounds spanish doesn't it Elpida, instead of Greek. Listen to this again. This hope, Hebrews 6.19, is a strong and trustworthy anchor for our souls. It leads us through into the inner courts, into God's inner sanctuary. But here's the deal. You have to lay hold of it. You have to lay hold of it. The verse before this, in verse 18 of Hebrews 6, says that we might have strong consolation who have fled for refuge to lay hold of hope that is set before us. You've got to lay hold of it, baby. You've got to lay hold of it. The Lord showed me when I was a young man in my late 20s that hope is a rope. It's not a gift or a fruit of the Spirit. It's a rope, and you have to lay hold of it. It's an anchor, and you have to set it. And when I was in my late 20s, I don't understand why or how, but deep, dark, despairing depression took hold of my life. I couldn't believe it. I've never, I'd never been depressed about anything in my whole life. And I was married with my young bride, and we had our young son, our firstborn, and I was a youth pastor, and, and I loved Jesus, and all I could do was despair every day with despondency, and I couldn't, I could, I could, I couldn't believe, I, I cried out to God, I begged God, I pleaded with God, I said, this can't happen to me, God. What's going on? This is not right. I love you. I believe you. Why why do I wake up every day wishing I was dead? Why do I say in the morning, would to God it was evening? And in the evening, I say, would to God it was morning. This isn't right, God. and And I begin to say, God, you have to deliver me. You have to deliver me. You have to deliver me. All I wanted to do was live to see my 30th birthday. And the Lord spoke to me so clear. I didn't like what he said, but as I look back on it now, all these years later, I humble myself and I bow before him. But here's what he said to me. He said, no, I'm not gonna deliver you from this pit, but I'm gonna throw you a rope and you are going to pull and climb and you are going to crawl and you are going to lay hold of this hope and this rope and you are going to pull yourself up out of this pit. And I said, Lord, to tell you the truth, I'm not even sure which way is up. But the rope of hope and I begin to lay hope of every promise of God, every word of God. I went to the Psalms and I begin to read the Psalms of despondency and the Psalms of despair and I thought, my God, I'm not the only one that's ever felt this way. 
These guys felt exactly like me. They're saying it better than I'm saying it. They felt as miserable as I feel. They, their whole life was as sucks as much as my whole life sucks. And I just would lay hold, and then I would go to the New Testament, and I would claim every promise of God, and I would lay, and I would pull, and, and hope is a rope. And you've got to lay hold of it, man. Until one day you pulled yourself up and you're standing on the other side of that thing and you look back down at that thing and you know it's still there. You know it's still near. You know you can still slip and fall back into it, but you'll never be afraid of it again because there's a rope. Hope is a rope and you have to lay hold of it. We have to lay hold of it. We have to drop this anchor for our own soul in our own life when we're facing our own storms. The Good News Bible says it this way. So we who have found safety with him are greatly encouraged to hold firmly to the rope placed before us. Some things you can go get prayer for. Some things you can say, Pastor, pray for me. Somebody else lay hold of me. We'll break this and break that and all of that. But at some point, you're going to have to lay hold of the rope. And you're going to have to pull yourself up on every promise and every word of God. Why am I saying this? Why am I talking to us this way? Why must, why, why must we firmly hold on to the hope that is placed before us? And I'll tell you why. Because you can be a Christian and still feel hopeless. Because you can be a believer and still feel completely hopeless. We read this. In King David's own words, in Psalm 42, in verse 5, David said, Why am I so sad? Why am I so troubled? Now get ready for two of the most powerful words you can ever say. I will put my hope in God. I will put my hope in God. I will. Why are you so sad? Why are you so troubled? I will put my hope in God. And once again, I will praise him, my savior and my God. The old language King James version says, why art thou cast down O my soul? And why art thou disquieted within me? Hope thou in God, hope thou in God, for I shall yet praise him who is the help of my countenance. Oh, yeah, I memorized that one. This is David laying hold of the rope of hope. This is David, and this is what we have to do when our soul is cast down. In Psalm 119 and verse 147, I will rise before the dawning of the morning and cry for help and hope in your word. Sometimes you know what you got to do? You got to get up before the despair and the despondency and the depression even knows you're awake. And you got to get down there and get a hold of God and cry out and lay hold of his word. And you take the hope of rope, the rope of hope, and you lay hold of it. And you climb and you pull and you stand in Jesus' name. I will praise him. I will lay hold of his word. Family hope is a lifeline that we lay hold of. It is a promise that we believe. It is an anchor that we set. And we see this in the Apostle Paul. Listen to him. Listen to the Apostle Paul describe his hard situation while full of hope. We read in 2 Corinthians 4. In verse 8, 
Paul says, we are hard pressed on every side, yet not crushed. We are perplexed, pastor, we're perplexed, but not in despair. We are persecuted, but not forsaken. Struck down, but not destroyed. Always carrying about in our body the dying of the Lord Jesus. But, but, but that, the life of Jesus, may also be manifested in our body. Is it hard, Paul? Yes. Is it difficult, Paul? Yes. Do you have doubts? Yes. You want to give up? Hell no. Heck no. Heck no. Heck no. Paul, you're not disappointed? You're not disillusioned? You're not discouraged? Paul, how can you not be disheartened? Three or four verses later, he says these words in verse 16. We do not lose heart. Even though our outward man is perishing, come on somebody, yet the inward man is being renewed day by day for our light affliction. Now there's a perspective for you. For our light affliction, there's a hope-filled perspective for you. For our light affliction, which is but for a moment. See, despair and despondency and hopelessness make you want to tell you the lie that this is your forever. It is your minute. It is your minute. It is not your forever. For our light affliction, which is but for a moment, is working for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight, not of gloom and doom, but glory. While we do not, while we do not look at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen. For the things which are seen are temporary, but the things which are not seen are eternal. This is a kingdom of hope. In the culture of the world, we can find ourselves down and out. But in the culture of the kingdom, we find ourselves down, but not out. Because we're filled with hope. Because we lay hold of hope. Because we serve the God of hope. Because we have hope for an anchor for our soul. And hope is a rope. And I've laid hold of it. There is a dearth in the earth. So much so that culture says, don't get your hopes up. Don't set yourself up for being let down. That's, a, that's current culture. That's, that's the world which you are not a part of. Don't get your hopes up. Don't get your hopes up. You're just setting yourself up for disappointment. And yet the kingdom of heaven says that you may abound in hope, baby. That you just may abound in hope. Come on, that you would abound, that you would abound and hope you'd wear hope, you'd live in hope, you'd walk in hope. We read in Romans 4.18, even when there was no reason for hope, don't get your hopes up, even when there was no reason for hope, Abraham kept hoping, believing, hoping, believing that he would become the father of many nations. For God said to him, That's how many descendants you will have. I want to say this morning, as our team maybe would make their way back up on the platform, please. 
I want to say this morning to every God chaser in this room. I want to say this morning to every son and daughter of the kingdom of heaven. I want to say this morning to every person who presses in to the Lord Jesus. Get your hopes up. The Holy Spirit just descended in a powerful way. The Holy Spirit just descended in this place in a powerful way. Get your hopes up. Get your hopes up. Hope means a definite, confident expectation of good. A definite, confident expectation of good. A definite, confident expectation of good. Yo, a definite, confident expectation of good. Yo, somebody wrap it for me. This is what hope means. A definite, confident expectation of good. And that is the air we breathe in the kingdom of heaven. That is the air we breathe in the kingdom of heaven. A definite, confident expectation of good. Get your hopes up. And then, why don't we just let the scripture take us to another level in this definite, confident expectation of good as we read Colossians 1.27 that says, Christ in you is the hope of glory. Well, let's just add glory to it then. We have a glorious hope. And so here's what I decree by the Holy Spirit this morning. In Christ Jesus. So in Christ, in Christ Jesus is the definite, confident expectation of a good and glorious marriage. Get your hope up. Get your hope up. I decree this morning by the Holy Spirit that Christ in you is the definite, confident expectation of good and glorious family. I decree Christ in you is the definite, confident expectation of good and glorious breakthrough for your health. Christ in you is the definite, confident expectation that all of your children and grandchildren will know him and serve him and love him all the days of the... Get your hopes up. The Apostle Paul teaches us that there is no bad circumstance that I can ever be in that will cause me to be destroyed or forsaken by God. Get your hopes up. I live every day of my life with a definite, confident expectation of glorious good. I breathe it in the morning and I breathe it in the evening. You, my family, you are filled with hope. You abound in hope. Your king is the God of hope. Hope is the anchor for your soul. Christ in you is the hope of glory. There may be a dearth in the earth of hopelessness, but not in you and not in the kingdom of God. And the kingdom of God is near and it's right on the doorstep of a crazy and a confused world. Would you stand with me this morning? There is no famine in the kingdom of God. 
hope flourishes. He is the God of hope. And our prayer today is that he would fill you with all hope. That in believing, in believing, you, you would have peace and joy. Peace and joy. You know what Jesus said before he left? He said, I'm going to leave you something I brought with me from heaven. I'm going to bring you my peace. I'm going to give you my peace. I'm leaving it here as I return. My peace I give to you. Not like the world gives it. I give my peace to you. And what's so amazing is the peace of Jesus is given to his followers. And when we think of peace in the Bible, we think of shalom. But of course, this is the Greek word peace. And it's the word Irene. If your name is Irene, then your your name comes from this word. Irene. And it's a beautiful word. But if you dig deep to understand what this word means in the Thayer's Dictionary, here's what this word that Jesus says, this is what I actually leave you. Irene, listen to what it means. Exemption from the rage. Exemption from the rage. Do you remember Jesus in the boat? Do you remember the storm? Do you remember the disciples despairing? You remember them crying? You remember them shaking? You remember them waking Jesus, saying the boat's sinking, we're perishing, don't you care? What was Jesus doing? He was sleeping. He was exempt from the rage. And that's what he has left for you and for me. And while the world rages, and while the world devours itself, You and I have hope that abounds and we have the peace and the joy. By the way, joy is the other thing he left with us. He left his peace and his joy and that makes my joy full. Every head bowed, please. And every eye closed. Have you found yourself in a place of hopelessness? Me too. I have found myself in that place. But you need to geotag yourself and remember where you are. You are not of the world. You are of the kingdom of heaven. And in that kingdom, hope abounds. And God is the God of hope. And I want to challenge you today. Press in and lay hold of the hope, of the rope of hope. Lay hold of the anchor and set it for your soul. And know that in the kingdom of heaven, hope, hope, hope. Heavenly Father, I pray over my family here in Tamworth. Your kingdom come. That's what I pray. Your will be done right here, Father, in our neighborhoods, right here, Lord, among our families and our friends. Your kingdom come. Your will be done. Oh, God of all hope, the hope of all the world, your will be done. Your kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. Let hope abound. Let us lay hold of hope. Let us rise up again in hope. Let us take hold of hope today in the kingdom of heaven, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Hey again. Thanks so much for joining us on this podcast. Whether you are new and exploring your faith or a follower of Jesus, there's a next step for you. There is always room to grow, more to be done, destiny to be pursued, and people to be reached. So what's your next step? To find out, head over to thechapelcollective.com.au. And thanks again for listening.